Everybody glad you're here. I thank God for you. Those joining us online, I love you guys. Oh man, isn't God good? Yes. Yeah, he is good all the time and all the time he is good. Praise the Lord. Um, if you're with us for the first time, we are grateful that you responded to the call of God, that he maneuvered, he arranged in your life this week, he orchestrated, he drew you here and you showed up saying yes to him. We all want to say a big yes right now because we want to hear from him. He's longing to speak life and hope and joy and peace into our lives. Um, I hate to be David the Downer, but I've got some sad news to start with. Every day, every day, uh, right now, every day, 10 churches a day are closing their doors. The last song is sung, the last prayer is prayed, the building empties, the doors are closed and locked, that's it. But that's not all. In addition, 85% of the churches in America have either plateaued or are in a deep decline. Dead and dying churches. And one of the reasons is that 2020, oh my gosh, it was one long, hard year of severe disruption. I mean, the year started with ugly, painful politics. Spring erupted with the COVID crises. It is still affecting us. I mean, it changed everything. And then summer, maybe like I've never seen since my youth, civil unrest, racial unrest all across our country. And then <laughs> fall and winter, more ugly, painful politics. And people started to think, started to say, hey, I can't go to my church if my church doesn't share my politics. I've got my opinions. And if the people of my church don't share my opinions, I just can't go. I gotta find some place that shares my politics and my opinions. And I've got preferences. Like, you know, I don't wanna wear a mask. Or I wanna wear a mask and everybody else better wear one. Preference to be vaccinated or preference not to be vaccinated and attacking each other on the basis of those preferences. That kind of attitude not only kills churches, it'll kill your relationship with Jesus because Jesus plus politics equals nothing. He loses all his power. He is dethroned as the politics become king. Jesus plus politics equals, a, Jesus plus opinions equals nothing. If you want Jesus to be something in your life, get rid of the opinions. Jesus plus preferences equals nothing. In fact, Jesus plus anything equals nothing because he's king, he's Lord, he is supreme. So here's the deal at this church, if you're new or here. Here's our heart. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He is our all in all. He is sufficient. He is more than enough. He is a good God. And so um, I want to share with you what I believe is an undeniable truth. And then I want to issue an exciting uh, challenge. Uh, check out the word of God. The word of God says, hey, forget 
everything. Forget your politics, your preferences, your opinions. Forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified for your sins and was raised from the dead. You see, no politician ever died for my sins. No political party ever took your place on the cross. Our opinions and our preferences will only lead us into conflict and away from Jesus. And so our focus, like when I was a kid, we had horses. And when we wanted to train them, we would put blinders on them so they weren't distracted and they could just focus on what was ahead of them and what we wanted them to do. That's what we've got to be. We've got to be blind to all the distractions and focus on Jesus as our king. And so here's the truth. I think it's undeniable. A divided nation, and I've never seen our country more divisive than right now, uh, not just a, div a divided nation, a, a, a divided community desperately needs a united church. A church where everyone believes that Jesus is Lord. A church where everyone is focused on Jesus as King. A, a, a church where everyone has submitted to him. Here's that word, piece of God's word again. Just keep it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is. Then, Jesus and what he did, Jesus crucified. So here's my challenge. I've given you the truth that our divided World, nation, community. Our divided world, nation, community needs a united church. So here's my challenge. Let this church, let us, let Central Christian online and in the room be the place, be the entity, be the force. Let our church be united around the wonder of Jesus. We will never get done plumbing the depths of the wonder, the absolute wonder of Jesus. We'll never get done investigating. We'll never get done exploring. It is forever. It is infinity, the wonder of Jesus. So all that I've shared with you so far has come out of what's called the greatest book in the Bible, book of Romans, and the greatest chapter in the greatest book, scholars say, chapter eight. Here's the word of God. God knew his people in advance. Now, it excites me that the sentence is headed by God. When God is the start and stop of our lives, everything works together for the good. My tendency is to start my life with me, what I think, how I feel, my opinions, my preferences, and that just makes my life gross. But your life gets great. My life gets great when we filter our thoughts, when we filter our emotions, when we filter our behavior through the person of Jesus. He becomes the lens through which we see and do life. Then he is free to work everything together for the good. That's the promise of scripture. Then he is free to make everything beautiful in its time. That's the promise of scripture. So we filter everything. Our thoughts, our emotions, and our behavior through him, now that God knew his people in advance. Let's look at that again. God knew his people in advance. That indicates that he knew you before you were born. He knew me before I was conceived in my mother's womb. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Our tendency is to think that we are better than we are. We think we're not that bad. 
but he knows every lie before it leaves our lips. We tell ourselves rational lies. We rationalize about how bad we are. He knows all the dark thoughts that no one can see. He knows all the, all the, all the dark emotions that crowd into our hearts. He knows all the behaviors that are self-destructive and dysfunctional that the Bible calls sin. He knows it all. He knows it all. He knows us inside and out, the good and the lots of bad and the lots of ugly. And yet he decides it is a decision. He's drawn a line in the sand to choose us as his own. This is the wonder of being chosen by God. I mean, this is in such a different universe than being chosen to, by your coach to play on the first string or be chosen to be on the cheerleading squad or be, being chosen by your boyfriend or being chosen by your spouse or being chosen for a promotion at work. This is being chosen by the God of the universe. Other people will say, nope, you're not good enough. Nope, you can't cut it. Nope, this is what's wrong with you. Nope, you're damaged goods. That's not how God sees you. God sees everything. He loves everything. He loves you and he chooses you to be his own. Now he chooses me and there's nothing special in me to make him choose me. He chooses you and there's nothing good in you to make him choose you. It's all the goodness and all the specialness is in him. He sees everything about us and chooses us as his own because he loves us. Here's the word of God, Romans 8. God knew his people in advance and he chose them, knowing them full well, inside and out. He chose them to become like his son. Jesus has chosen you out of his love, out of his goodness, to bear the likeness of Christ. He chose us to become like his son so that his son Jesus would be supreme, first and foremost, among many brothers and sisters in his church. I've tried to live this choosing out with my own children. My biological boys that are adults, when they were kids, I would want to sit them down, look them in the eye and say, Josh and Jake, I love you guys. And if they could line up all the boys in the world, out of all the boys in the world, I would always choose you two every time to be my sons. Wilkie, when we adopted him from Haiti, when he came to our home, lived with us, um, I sat him down, looked him in the eye, son, I love you. I love you just like I love Josh and Jake. And if they could have lined up all the boys in Haiti, out of all the boys in Haiti, I would have selected you every time to be my son. I choose you. And our daughter, Lovia, when we adopted her and she came to our home from Haiti, I spoke the same words over her. Sweetheart, I love you. And if they could line up all the girls in Haiti, I would choose you every time to be my daughter, to be mine. I love you. That's how God chooses you. My, my kids, you know, maybe to you, there are things about them that aren't all that special. But there are things about you and about me that aren't all that special. In fact, just the opposite. 
And in the face of all the just the opposites in us, God chooses us out of his love. And having chosen us, check this out, the word of God goes on to say, having chosen us, he called us to come to him. You see, it, it, was, it was not enough. God was not satisfied just to choose to say, I want you, I want you, I want you. I hope you want me, but I want you. Please want me, but I want you. Choose me, but I've already chosen you. But more than that, he called us into real relationship with himself. He wanted to choose us out of his love, but he wanted to be in a relationship of love with us. Maybe the best way I can teach this about being called is to remind you of Lazarus. Remember Lazarus? He had been dead for four days, sealed by a stone in a tomb. They didn't dig graves back then. They cut holes in cliffs laid the body on a slab and sealed it with a stone. He had been in there dead, lifeless, thoughtless for four days. And Jesus comes. Now you gotta know this about Jesus and Lazarus. They were best friends. Of all the people who loved Jesus, of all the people who worshiped Jesus, of all the people who were enthralled with Jesus, he chose Lazarus to be his best. Not because there was anything special or good about Lazarus, because there was something good and special about Jesus. And then Lazarus dies. I'll tell you something about somebody who's dead. They can do absolutely nothing for themselves. This is meant to be a picture of us when we are dead spiritually before we come to Jesus. We can't help ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We are alive physically on the outside, but we are dead spiritually on the inside like Lazarus. Well, Jesus, before the tomb, Jesus calls out his name. Lazarus, come forth. And the man dead for four days opens his eyes. His brain kicks in gear. He becomes a bear fan. <laughs> Just kidding. And uh, his heart's beating hot. His lungs are expanding and releasing air. He gets up off of that slab and he shuffles out of that tomb. And Jesus says, remove the grave clothes. He who was dead is now alive. That's what happens when Jesus calls you. He calls you out of death into life. He calls you out of the darkness into his light. He calls you out of nothing into his love. You are called into real relationship with him. This is the wonder of being called by God. Here's what I want to suggest. Let us be a church united in the wonder that we are all chosen, that everybody around you is, who believes in Jesus is chosen on the basis of the goodness of God. And everyone around you, we are all called by God. It has nothing to do with politics, opinions. In fact, I tell you something. It has to do with not opinions, but with the absolute truth of God. It has not to do with anybody's preferences. It has to do with what the Bible calls God's perfect and pleasing will. His will to choose you. His will to call you. In fact, he's calling you right now. Right now, Jesus is calling you. What did I do? We're okay. Okay, here we go. Look at the text. Jesus says, look at me. I stand at the door. I knock. If, if you hear me call and open the door, I will come in. I'm choosing you. I'll die to get you to choose me back. I'm calling you. 
into real relationship. Will you come to me? Lazarus, he heard the call. He heeded the call and he came in response to the call of Jesus. And there's more. Look at the word of God. Having chosen us, he called us to come to him. And when we come, he declares us not guilty. Now this is a legal term. There is no one and nothing that can ever change it. When you say yes to the call of Jesus on your life, he declares you not guilty. All your sins forgiven, past, present, and future. You are cleansed of all guilt and shame. I mean, and and how does that really work? Because I'm still a sinner, I still sin. How is it that I'm declared not guilty? Here's the word of God. Uh, This is the wonder of being declared not guilty. Christ himself is here pleading with you right now. Right now he's pleading with you. Receive the love he offers you and be reconciled, be made right with God. For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him all our sin. That's how we got rid of our sin. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. Anything bad about you? It was put on Jesus on the cross. When you believe that Jesus is God, and he died on the cross to pay for your sins, and God raised him from the dead. Anything wrong with you, it's all on Jesus, and everything right with Jesus is put on you. All your bad on him, all his goodness on you, all our combined ugly, evil imperfections are put on Jesus, and all the glory and beauty of his perfection is put on us. We're still sinners. We still screw up. We still make wrong decisions. We still hurt people. We still hurt ourselves. But we have been declared not guilty that we would keep choosing God back, keep answering the call, keep coming to him knowing we are declared not guilty. The Bible says God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our guilt. I'm guilty, you're guilty, but God doesn't repay us according to our guilt. No, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who worship him. As far as east is from west, so far as he removed our sins from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who worship him. Sorry, I got carried away. Gave you more of the text. So, Every week so far this year, I've given us a truth from Romans 8 to commit to believe together. No New Year's resolution. They don't work. But truths, commitment to truth changes everything in our lives. And typically, I want to be as personal as possible. We use the the pronouns I and me and my. But this is about unity. This is about us. This is about we. So here are the commitments I want us to make this morning. Um, Would you stand with me, please? These are a big deal. If you're at home, stand in your jammies. (laughs) I think it's only fair that we all get to come to church in our jammies next week. Okay. (laughs) Okay, here we go. I'm going to say them. You say them after me. This is what unifies us as a church. Gets us out of the muck of opinion and preference and politic and keeps our focus on our Lord Jesus. I'll say it, you say it after me. We are are chosen by God. God. We are are called by God. God. We are are declared not guilty. guilty. 
by God. I mean, this is the God of the universe. Please be seated. I just want you to get these truths about you. God sees it all in you and he chooses you out of his love for you. He calls you into deeper relationship with himself and he declares you, when you come to him, he declares you not guilty. So here's the word of God. Having chosen us, he called us to come to him. And when we came, he declared us not guilty, filling us with Christ's goodness, giving us right standing with himself and promising us his glory. You see, this is the love of God. His love provokes him to choose us, but that's not enough. He wants to be in real relationship with him, with us. And when we say yes to that relationship, he declares us not guilty. All your guilt was paid for you, David, on the cross. A bloodstained cross covered your guilt and made you cleansed of all guilt and shame. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, the glory that raised Jesus is a glory that to take your life to new heights, you get to experience the glory of God. The one the wonder being chosen, the wonder being called, the wonder being declared not guilty, and the wonder of experiencing the glory of God. That means God now is going to show up and show off in your life. His glory on this church. You see, a church that is united around Jesus, where our politics are crucified and opinions are set aside and preferences are crucified. In a church that focuses on Jesus, that's where he loves to show up and show off and God's glory reigns in that place. Um, when, when Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus, I gave you the end of the story. But Jesus was prevented from being able to work the miraculous resurrection of Lazarus, he was prevented by people who were holding on to their opinions and their preferences. So how did Jesus get people to let go of their opinions and their preferences and to unite them on the same page of belief in him? Here's what the word of God says. Jesus said, did I not tell you? I mean, there they are. They're all standing around the tomb. People are holding under their opinions and their preferences. And Jesus said, time out, guys. Nothing's gonna happen here but a bunch of crying. Unless, Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see, you will experience the glory of God. And I'm going to talk to you about that in a second, but I just want to put all these four things into a simple sentence that we are chosen by God, that we are called by God, that we are declared not guilty, and that we get to experience his glory. If I could just say that in one simple sentence, this is the truth we commit ourselves to this week. I commit to believe that God is for me, not just with me. He's for me. He's on my side. God is for me. Um, did we have that up there? Could I have it again, please? Okay, I commit to believe. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up again. You can sit down at home. Nice jammies. Um, I commit to believe God is for me. We gotta say this to ourselves all the time because it feels like sometimes we can never catch a break. But you know what? God is for me. It seems like sometimes circumstances are arrayed against us. But you know what? God is for me. Life is challenging. Life is hurtful. But God is for me. Sometimes people don't like me. I don't give a rip. God is for me. God is for me. 
And so every day throughout the day, you remind yourself, you commit yourself to believe this truth. God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. Whatever life does to me, God is for me. Whatever they say about me, God is for me. I don't care what they think. God is for me. I know that God is for me. Why? Because he has called me. He has chosen me. He has declared me not guilty. And he has given me his glory. This is the secret. This is the secret. This is the secret. Christ in your hearts is your only hope of glory. Christ in your hearts. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that you simply say a prayer. It means that you obey Jesus from your heart. If he is in your heart, he's king. And you obey him. Now what happens? Let's say it's your finances. You obey the teaching of Jesus from your heart regarding your finances, and he gives you glorified finances. Or your marriage, the two of you. In your marriage, from your heart, obey what Jesus says about marriage, and he gives you a glorified married, marriage. Parents, commit yourself to obey what Jesus says from your heart in his word about parenting, and you get God-glorified parenting. Your emotions... Your thoughts, handle your thought life and your emotional life from your heart, Jesus in your heart, obeying his word. And he gives you God-glorified thoughts and emotions. He wants you to experience his glory. He has chosen you for his glory. He has called you for his glory. He has declared you not guilty for his glory. The last week in this service, uh, three people were baptized for his glory. Uh, last night I had a young man, a friend of mine, um, who told me he wants to be baptized next Saturday night. That's for God's glory. Last night a teenager came forward at the end of my talk. She wanted to be baptized right then. In the last service at nine o'clock, a, a young woman came forward who wanted to be baptized right then to experience God's glory. I'm just telling you all that to let you know we're ready. We're ready every weekend, every service. We're ready right now. If you want to share fully with Jesus in his death, burial, resurrection, and his glory, he's choosing you. He's calling you. He has declared you're not guilty when you come to him and he gives you his glory. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.